Well, you need to go first. Okay. Because mine's not a downer at all. Well, no, it's not. So I'm covering the Bloody Benders. And they're like a thing that I'm familiar with but did not know the story. Like, there's a name that exists in the vernacular, I guess. Um, and I was, you know, looking for things in Kansas because you said you had a story in Kansas. Yeah. And I got to, like, the <laughs> Kansas State Historic Society. I was clicking on that and looking at one of the suggested things. And I was like, this is okay, but it's sort of, like, itty-bitty. Like, there's not enough here. And I then I, like, from them too. rolled down a little bit. <laughs> like, scrolled down a little bit. And there's this thing that just said, the bender knife. And I was like, well, what the heck is the bender knife? So I clicked on it. And then it was, they decided to tell the story of the bloody benders through the aspect of the fact that the knife was in their possession. Mm. Um, but, like, everything under it is not about the knife. It's about the benders. So I decided to tell it strictly from, like, everything on here, except for the stuff at the very, very end that I used to, like, wrap it up. Just me reporting to you what the newspaper was reporting in basically real time. That's funny. I like newspaper, um, old newspapers. Yeah. No, and I thought it was... If I can find articles, I'd take a lot from I thought it. Because there's more information there in that is, than, like, because Wikipedia not, or whatever. It's not been um, pre-summarized. Yeah. And I was really, really impressed, honestly, by, like, the reporting and, like, mm-hmm. the level of detail and, Especially like, the, the thought that was being put into it all. Because um, we don't do that stuff anymore. Everybody's so true. dumb. Everything I read I has typos truly and errors it. and grammatical issues. And I'm just like, and you and you went to school for English? Try this bold ginger ale. What is it called? Bold. Does bold make sense now? <coughs> Why is it spicy? I cough every time I drink it too. <laughs> Why, why, is, why is it like that? Because <laughs> it's bold, Audrey. Well, like, at first there was, like, a little bubble that went right here in my throat, and I was like... <laughs> and no, it's, it's weirdly spicy. It's like we, there's cayenne pepper in it or We something. got it wants to try it. It's just more gingery. Ginger just tastes like that. Um, but we got it to well, try it. It, ta- it seemed like, what like it was bold. somehow more bubbly. Mm-hmm. Is what it seemed like. We tried it, and then we also at the same time had normal ginger ale and ginger ale, normal ginger ale after having this funny meat, like, because we tried them next to each other. Uh-huh. We're like, oh, that just tastes like sugar water now. We can only buy that ginger ale and actually like it. No, that one hurt me. That's what we buy the baby cans. <laughs> so my sources are um, the Kansas State Historical Society's website, Wikipedia, and then three newspapers, the Leavenworth Daily Commercial, the Headlight, in the Missouri Republican. The, the headlight, headlight is such That's a such cute a good name. name. Um, and as I said before, I'm telling the story from the newspapers, not yes. from speculations that have been made a hundred years later. Like, I went and found the source. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, on May 19, 18, hold on, I gotta fix that, I'm gonna forever be broken in my mind. So, in May 1871, a man named Jones was found dead in Drums Creek with his skull crushed, his throat slashed ear to ear. News article. Mm-hmm. That was like, the, that was the news article, basically. Well, that's <laughs> all they board. had. Um, February 1872. Two bodies with identical injuries to Jones were discovered in the same, in, in the area. Yeah. Not in the creek, but in the mm-hmm. same region of the world. So far, have these been, like, a year apart? Was the first one? Yes. Seven, okay. So, 71, and then the May 72. 71, February 72. Yeah. Okay. April 73. So, it's another year from those two that were found. April 6th. 
Yeah, April 6th, 1873. Um, a wagon located just south of Thayer, Kansas, was found abandoned. Two, with two horses still hitched up. A colt was along with them, so, like, one of the horses had a baby. Um, and then a Scotty dog was in there protecting the wagon. Aww. Um, there was some corn inside, but not, like, a lot. Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. leftover corn, basically. Yeah. Um, under the wagon, um, another harness was found, but, like, it wasn't, like, placed there. It just happened to scuttle under there from whatever happened with this wagon. It sat there for two days. No, it was noticed for this long. Mm-hmm. They were like, someone surely will come back and get it. You don't just leave an entire team and your dog. Yeah. Your wagon. That's not That's not a normal thing to do. Um, so it sits there for two days. Finally, it's brought into town. The horses are stored in the livery. Somebody takes the dog, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, they took care of the animals. Yeah. Like there's, they searched for the owner, but... Well, they tried to search for the owner, but it was prevented by heavy rain and a snowstorm. So that... I love that combo. Yeah. In April. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a bunch of speculation. They thought robbery, murder, but nothing was proven because they really couldn't search. They were just like, this is weird. This is an abandoned wagon. Um, but there had been, like, an abandoned wagon or two found in the vicinity. And people were like, every time they're like, that's weird. Because usually the horses were mm-hmm. there still and it wasn't just the wagon. But um, still, people are always suspecting gang activity in the Wild West because... There was often gang activity in the Wild West. <laughs> okay, now we're a month later. May 6th, 1873. A Mr. York and Detective Thomas Beers are searching for York's brother, Dr. William York. There's three Yorks in this story, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best to keep them separate. So, uh, Dr. William York had gone missing while searching for a Mr. Longhorn and his daughter, um were also missing in the area. They were, I think it was, like, friends with his parents who he was traveling to in mm-hmm. the town of Independence, Kansas. Um, while they search, they arrive at a small house, which is 14 by 20 in dimension. It's located 14 miles east of Independence, Kansas, and a mile and a half south of Moorhead Station. Um, the house was abandoned, but the field had been recently plowed, which means it couldn't have been abandoned that long. Mm-hmm. Um, while searching the home, they found part of the bridle owned by William, and a Catholic prayer book was discovered with the names um, Johanna Bender and John Gabrant inside. The two men then went on search of the field, and they came across a suspiciously sunken spot. They struck the rod into the ground and found it to be much softer than it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, it's a recently plowed field, there's going to be about 20 centimeters I don't know what that is in inches, of um, soft soil just by the nature of that. So anything deeper than 20 centimeters would be weird. (laughs) So they find this slight depression. It's softer further down than it should be. Um, So they decide to dig there, and they find the body of William York. He's face down on the ground, almost entirely naked, wearing nothing but his undershirt and spectacles and a bandage around his left shin that was covering an accidental knife injury he had, like, previously mm-hmm. gotten. And his brother had mentioned this before mm-hmm. they even got out there and, like, uncovered the body that he had. It's, like, one of the identifying factors. Yeah. He should still have this injury if you find him. <laughs> um, Mr. York was recognizable by his brother right away as his face was um, in good condition compared to the rest of his body. Mm-hmm. 
that um, the body was pretty badly decomposed at this point, and his head had been, t- the back of his head, like the mm-hmm. cranium, had been terribly mashed. <laughs> mashed. Mashed was the phrase used. Um, in the house, there were also two hammers, a cobbler's hammer and a blacksmith's hammer that were remaining mm-hmm. inside. Dr. Keebles, who conducted the post-mortem examination, said that he was positive these hammers were the instruments used in the bludgeoning, um, and that two separate people were wielding them. P. Strange Esquire, the deputy prosecuting Strange. attorney what a good last I know, name. of Labette County, called for all rules and red tape to be followed while investigating this murder, but the area was so excited just like the whole county, mm-hmm. <laughs> by the occurrence that all examinations were conducted in a speedy manner. Um, and I'll get to all of these things again in the next article. This is like, this is the breaking news yeah. article. So everything's just like the bare minimum information because they haven't had time to think about it yet. This, this article's written day after this everything happens. Um, so there was even a man... J.O. Richmond, who was selling tickets to see a family who was claiming to be the Benders. And again, this is happening day after they already found people who were selling tickets to see the family that may or may not have murdered this man. Um, So a connection was made to the abandoned wagon from a month before, and authorities believed um, that the Benders were likely the cause of its abandonment. Mm -hmm. But they weren't sure if it was the Benders' wagon necessarily, or if it was the Benders had also caused whatever happened to those people that ended up making it abandoned. But somehow they're connected to this wagon being near Thayer. Um, During the investigation, a hole was discovered below the house that was believed to be used to store bodies until it could be, they could be buried in the cover of night. And I love, remember this description of this hole. There's a hole. They thought it might be used to store bodies until they could be reburied later. Yeah. Um, And the rumors began to swirl that the house was actually a gang hideout. Um, and then there was a $500 reward um, for the family to be captured. Yeah. And that was, this is day one, $500 reward. I think it ends up being increased, but I never looked into that. I know, but I know that they do up, but I don't know the number. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 13 May, 1873, so this is a week later. Um, they know much more information now. This is the bulk of my story is just from this singular article. So two days prior, three more bodies were discovered on the Bender property. And this is three additional bodies to what had been found before Mr. Beers, the detective from earlier, Mm -hmm. had left to go investigate other things, which meant there was a grand total of 13 bodies. I know it seems like a gap, but that's the nature of how this was reported. And you're like, we went from 1 to 13. Wow. Yeah. But that same day that they were searching for William, they found well, nine additional Well, I mean, you're telling bodies. about all these different carriages and stuff, so it's not like There's obviously going to be a few people. Multiple. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, and remember, this is a week after the fact, 3,000 people had arrived to the area to search Jeez. for a combination of the Benders and any victims. Um, there was even a special train that arrived with seven cars of people that had come the day before this article was written. Oh, my goodness. To um, help both search for the benders and more dead people. Yeah. Um, at this Everybody point... Says, I, I am now a, what a, a deputy or whatever. Well, it's, it's a combination of that and also, like, it's that murder tourism that's so popular yeah. at the time. This is a, this is an option to participate in the murder tourism. Everybody loves that kind of thing. 
They're like, what if we find and they're, the and they're like, re- like quite close to a pretty active railroad, so it's mm-hmm. not like they had to like travel far to get there. Yeah, you once just get they off the got train. off the train. They're only a mile and a half south of a train depot. That's walking distance. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so at this point, it had been determined that the Benders had fled east to St. Louis, and Mr. Beers, that's why he left, is to go um, follow them there into the city search for them. And while he was in town, they learned more about the Benders' bloody career. Though they never specify what that is. <laughs> I think it's it was... Um, they meant more that, in general, we had found out more about everything that they had been doing and not just while Bender was in St. Louis. I think yeah. it's not referring to Bender being in St. Louis. I think it's referring to... Their past. Yeah, we just have found out more since the initial discovery. This isn't their first... So several for several months, people had been di- disappearing on the route between um, Osage and Mission. No, not Osage. Osage Mission and Independence, Kansas. At least a dozen people were, like, notably missing. Yeah. In, like, about half a year from, like, October 17, 1872 to, this is now, like, May yeah. 1873. So, like, that's not quite, like, around six months, there's, mm-hmm. like, a noticeable up- uptake in, like, disappearing people. Because, like... Once a year, someone disappearing from a route might not be that crazy, especially in the winter. But, like, 12 is a lot to have no trace. Yeah. Um, so, it wasn't until William York disappeared along the route about a month before that anyone bothered to look into the matter. Um, and I mean a month. Yeah, a month before. It'd be a month and a week before this article now. Yeah. So, this route was sparsely settled. The Bender's home was one of the few places to stop along the way. It was, like, right in between two landmarks, and those landmarks were not necessarily places you could stay. They were just, like, we know where we are right now, landmarks. Yeah. <laughs> just one of the few people living on this road. Um, so is it really quick about the Bender family? The Benders were of German descent. John Bender Sr. was in his 60s and spoke little English. Um, he also sometimes went by the name William. Elvira Bender was around 55 and also spoke a little English. Neighbors apparently called her the she-devil, but I don't know if that's pre or post the murder stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that was a reputation she always had or if it's because she was connected to these murders. I couldn't find anything confirming or denying yeah. when that nickname was given to her. Um, John Bender Jr. was about 25. He was handsome with auburn hair, spoke fluent English with a German accent, and was prone to bouts of aimless laughing, which um, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> struck others as thinking he was not necessarily all there. Something was a little off about him. Aimless laughing. And, and it's like there's, there's, there's more than one thing that could be. It could be there was something a little off, and it, or it could be he was like, they're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to find out. <laughs> and he's just laughing because he's thinking about that. Because I, I don't know what if he was how into it he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Bender is the most interesting of the four Benders. Um, she was around 23. She was red-faced but attractive. Spoke English well with a little accent. Just enough to be like, I know your background. Yeah. <laughs> but not intrusive. Um, she was a self-professed spiritual doctor and medium who held occasional seances, advertised fortune-telling, and gave lectures on spiritualism. Um, she was an advocate for free love, which gave her a reputation of being less than moral. Dun, dun. Um, one of her newspaper advertisements, which the newspaper shared, they like, <laughs> put yeah. in. They're like, wait, we have one from her. Let's put that in. 
Um, this is how it reads. Professor Miss Kate Bender can heal all sorts of diseases, can cure blindness, fits, deafness, and all such diseases. Also deaf and dumbness. <laughs> Residence, 14 miles east of Independence, on the road from Independence to Osage Mission, one and a half miles south of Nora Head Station. I think it was supposed to be Moorhead, and there was either a typo with whatever she sent in, yeah. or um, they, like, miss, put in the wrong key. Mm-hmm. And then it says Kate Bender, June 1st, 1872. That's one of her paid advertisements in the paper. Yeah. While the elderly benders kept to themselves, they didn't really leave the house, the younger two would attend um, Sunday services regularly. So they were like, the, the younger two were a normal part of society in the area. Yeah. Um, there's interestingly no documents of when the family arrived in the U.S. Um, or if they're even related. Mm. There's, depending on like what resource you look at, they don't know who was related to who, who was married to who, if anyone was married at all. The one thing they all seem to agree upon is that the younger two were not siblings. <laughs> okay. Um, but they weren't necessarily married. They might have been passing off, like passing as married. Um, but it sort of seems to be a ragtag group of humans. <laughs> yeah. Who are passing off as this family unit. Um, but that could also just be a lack of documentation for mm-hmm. immigrants. I, did, I don't yeah. know. Um. The family kept a grocery store, not a grocery store, but like a grocery, some items you could buy on your journey between Osage Mission and Independence if you needed anything. And they also had an e- eating room for travelers. They couldn't necessarily stay the night, but they could stop in for a meal. Yeah. Because um, they knew where they were located and mm-hmm. people were gonna people are going to stop no matter what if you're the only house in the olden days on a route. You yeah. might as well benefit from it, right? Be prepared. Um. So, a week before York's body was found, Senator York, this is the third York, now there's Mr. York, William York, the dead guy, and then Senator York. So, Senator York had visited the Bender home to feed his horse while searching for his brother. So, he used the house as the stop like other people do. Yeah. Um, while there, the young Bender volunteered to help search for William, because that's, that's what Senator York was doing, was looking for his brother. So, he volunteered to help search for William, and Kate... Um, pulled the senator aside and told him of her powers and proposed to hold a seance to help find his brother that Friday night. Mind you, it was a Wednesday. It wasn't like that night. He'd have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that's the night she held seances, though, so. Interesting. So when York arrived back at Independence, um, Detective Beers asked to take on the case. He's like, oh, finally. Detective Beers wanted this case, right? And finally, um, the senator had arrived back in town. He could be like, I want to do it. Um, and York is like, he's gone, but, like, we're never finding him, but sure, go for it. Yeah. So Beers starts to travel the route, because they know he went missing on this route, because he had been doing rounds, because he's a doctor, and that's what you do, you do rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to also looking for this, this, um, man. So it was, like, it was a combination journey that he was on. So Beers is following, going up and down this route back and forth trying to find anything because he has to be missing on this route somewhere right like there has to be something somebody's missing somebody saw something um because like they're also missing like all the horse attack like where's that mm-hmm. as well so as he's going on this route he comes across a felon that he'd previously been acquainted with through because he's a detective mm-hmm. like he's met criminals before and this he knows he's served his time 
Um, and he also notices that this particular felon has not sh- does not show any signs of having reformed since getting out of prison. Um, there's yeah, no, because that doesn't work. There's no Didn't parole. Work then, doesn't work now. There's no parole system in place to keep tabs on anybody. So he starts to tail the guy because he's like, he's not necessarily saying he did it, but he's like, he sh- a criminal is going to befriend other criminals, right? Yeah. Um, so he starts to tail him to see if he knows anything or if he can drum up anything from anyone about these disappearances. Um, and listening into these conversations, he learns a lot. It worked. <laughs> the thing is, it worked. <laughs> so How is he listening in? Is he wearing, like, fake disguises? I don't think <laughs> the felon knows the detective. Okay, okay, okay. I think the detective He's just, just like, seen as one of the posters exactly. or something. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to say, I'm imagining him I don't doing, think he's like, the one a psych like, episode with the beard and, so the, funny. and, like, the fisherman's no, I hat. Think, I don't think they know each other. He just okay. knows of him. Yeah. <laughs> I like your version better. <laughs> um, so the felon tells one woman about a little girl, about seven or eight, that had been killed. And the oh. woman asked, how could they do it? And he responded, why? They strangled her. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. So, one, there's a little girl missing. And the woman's like, how could they kill a child? He's like, well, they strangled her. Uh-huh. How else? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and Beers is like, oh, hot diggity. This might actually this work out, right? This is a lead. So he's, you know, continues following him. And then another time, I think he talks about a few other things. It's not like the immediate next time. Um, he'd start talking about York. Mm-hmm. I think, like, by name or at least the doctor. Something that indicates it's definitely this guy, right, that he's looking for. Um, saying, they'll never find him. He's been buried in a cornfield and a spot that was recently plowed over. Mm-hmm. So that's how they know to search for him. Yeah. It's not like they're randomly going, hmm, plowed field. Yeah. Huh, low spot. <laughs> um, he also overhears that the benders have recently suddenly disappeared. And I mean, like, two days ago recently. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they pick up, they picked up, picked up and left. And that's odd, considering the elderly benders don't leave the house. Yeah. Um, so Beers decides that this seemed... Like, a number of things that are worth putting together and investigating fully. So, he uh, returns to Independence because he's not going to do it on his own. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> he tells the senator. The senator's like, this seems a bit far-fetched that you've been tailing a random criminal who happened to, in detail, tell you exactly mm-hmm. where to find and who it would be, basically. That's ridiculous. Um, the senator's like, I'm not going to pass up the lead, though. Hey, younger brother... The, the original mystery work we were talking about that went with Beers. You, Beers, a few other random men, go investigate it just so we're not leaving any stone unturned. Yeah. Um, so they go back to the Bender house. Um, the house has obviously been hastily abandoned. There was a bit of an effort to burn clothes, pieces of harnesses, and some paperwork. Um, the grocery was still in stock, so they didn't even really take anything from there. Um, it really looked like the benders had just left with only the clothes on their back. Mm-hmm. They were like, we got to go now. Had like big time. <laughs> um, so a trap door was found. Remember that hole from before? Uh-huh. Um, here's a better, a more detailed description that makes me shocked that the other description ever existed. Oh, um, so a trap door was found that opened to a pit that was about six feet deep. It smelled aggressively of rot. Oh, great. <laughs> and obviously contained human gore. Ew. How did... The other one, they were like, 
Uh, it might have stored them. Might have stored dead body. And I, I'm assuming the newspaper just wasn't given that information. I was gonna say they probably are just the hearsay. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> They're, They're like we heard like... a rumor around town. But there might have been pit. Anyway, so they had a lovely storage trap door in their house for the dead people. Um, and I think they're just like bits of people in there, but not any bodies. Just they, they don't find it's just decomp. Yeah. Um, so they began to survey the plowed field behind the house because it again was a freshly plowed field, where they end up finding finding William York, like we already know, he's buried four feet down. Um, while zooming, zooming William, um, another crew arrives to help, including a doctor, and they they arrive. I don't remember where they arrive from, but it's. It, them arriving is sort of associated with the fact that somebody finally recognized the dog in the car. They're like, oh, that's the Bender's dog. <laughs> and so they were going down to the Bender's house to be like, what's up with the Bender's? Mm-hmm. And like, it's somehow associated with that, but I don't think directly. But it was also associated with the senator calling for more manpower. Yeah. Because I think somebody got sent back to say, hey, something's fishy here. Like, this might be right. So like, all of that happened basically at the same time that someone like recognized the Bender's dog and they discover William's body. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, more yeah, they right to definitely make sure they found the body, had more manpower to cover the ground. So between the sixth and the tenth of I think May, um, nine more bodies are discovered, all of which had been bludgeoned to the back of the head, um, and then slit ear to ear across the throat. Except for a little girl who had no marks on her. Strangled. Yep. Or suffocated. Um, at the time, they thought she had been buried alive. Yeah. But I, why would the other guy say that then when he had accurate information otherwise? I, my assumption is that she was suffocated. Mm-hmm. Um, so Beer suspected that the murder is played out as follows. This is his detective... Here's what happened yeah. narrative for the court, you know? So the victims would arrive... Not that he did this for the court, but... So the victims, yeah, would arrive at the house where um, Kate would engage them in conversation because she was known to be a very good talker. Mm-hmm. Like, people liked to listen to her. They, she was an engaging person. Um, while distracted, one of the men would bash them in the back of the head with a small hammer. And once on the ground, um, the other man would hit them with a the heavier hammer, which should basically kill them. <laughs> um, then they would drag them to the trap door, slit their throats ear to ear, and drop them in the hole. Um, and these injuries were found on every single one of the bodies except mm-hmm. for the little girl. Yeah. So that's why, how he came to that conclusion is that set of injuries. So, um, now what was a little bit curious about how the bodies are buried, they're all buried between three and five feet down, which is honestly pretty deep for prairies, like plain soils. It's Those are compact, hard dirt. Like they were trying to bury these bodies. Well, Drew and I, we ha- we're um, doing those, um, we're putting those poles in the ground in the backyard so we can have a little fire pit area. Mm-hmm. And we're having to dig two feet yeah, down and so we're both out there the sweating. Plains, and that's just the little like yeah. square. <laughs> the plains are a combination of very dry mm-hmm. and they do not have topsoil. Yeah. There's, there's about an inch or two of topsoil naturally in the plains because of the high winds and like the low mm-hmm. plant coverage so it's just like that much more compact ancient ancient soils that you're trying to get into and those are they're hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and dry <laughs> so they're putting effort into burying these bodies um so they were all laid out um straight with their right hand placed on their right breast, not on their heart, on their right breast, Which and their breath? left arm 
straight against the body. And I was, like, looking up, Witchcraft. Like, like, German traditional burial practices yeah, to see if it was about? somehow, like, culturally associated. And I didn't find anything on that. And Mr. Beer suspects it was some sort of gang signaling. I don't know what that means. Who's unearthing these bodies? Yeah. I mean, unless it's, like, their calling card, and they're like, if we ever have to go back and get a body, we know this one's ours. Yeah, I don't know why. Something like that. That's weird, and I don't, quite frankly, can't figure out an explanation for. Um, So, the discovery at the Bender's house helped locate, I think, immediately, like, they uncovered the body, and they were like, oh, we found Longhorn that that William was originally looking for. He was one of the victims of the Bender's. And the only reason they were so sure of that is because they found his little girl with him, like, in the same grave on top of each other. Um, she was also the only one not laid out like the others. She was just in there. Um, they had last been seen at Drum Creek, which is a landmark not far from the home, like, where that other body was, that first body was found. Um, so immediately that missing person's case is also solved. So we've yeah. solved two so far. <laughs> So while searching for the two originally, when they were searching for um, the father and daughter, because they like imme- people immediately were like, you should have showed up. Like they they mm-hmm. weren't like travelers; they were from the area. So they were s- while they were searching, they found a trail of things that looked like they'd just fallen out of a wagon that led from oh. the Bender's house to where um, Langhorns. Wagon and team were found 16 miles away from the Bender's house. Um, and, like, these, these things looked like they just, like, fell out because the horses were going crazy fast yeah. and, like, spooked or something, right? But it's a little bit weird that they didn't, like, immediately connect the Bender's to that sooner because it's, like, from the Bender's house to there. And it's, like, his guns are falling out of the car. Or the car. The car. wagon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, like, like, they didn't thoroughly rob them, which is weird. Like, they didn't take all the... Like, wouldn't you take the guns? Not to, like, protect yourself because they can't have them, but, like, that's a valuable yeah, they, thing in the West. Yeah, I don't... Maybe um, they didn't even, like... I don't know. Maybe they didn't check it first and drove it off. They, and yeah, they just drove it realize. off right away. Who knows? It's odd, drove though. Drove it off. Well, that's what you do. You drive it off. <laughs> you drive funny. the horses. It just sounds funny. Um, so other victims that were identified pretty quickly were... Um, W.F. McCarthy, B.F. McKenzie, a man named Boyle, they did not give me more information <laughs> in, in the article, and two others um, that the paper did not name. Uh, so at this point, there are five unidentified individuals that were found. Um, it seems like the visitor, the, the visitor, the visit from Senator York scared the bender to, like, crud. Mm-hmm. Someone who has power to investigate is investigating this now, like, we got their own guy, um, so the next day they quickly plowed the field up, they, um, hopped on their wagon, drove it up to Thayer, abandoned it just outside of Thayer, jumped on the train, headed to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Benders appeared to have escaped throughout a number of, a number of years after until everyone was like, they have to be dead. <laughs> there are a number of people that are, were arrested as possibly being associated with them. There were a few times other people were identified as being them, but there were always, like, weird, glaring differences. They made it highly unlikely that they were the benders. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, they don't speak a lick of German. Yeah. <laughs> None of them have heavy German accents. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it was always, like, weird little things like that where it's, like, everything about it's just right except for, oh, no, I'm sorry, you, like, 
not that like the benders had any like glaring physical things but it'd be like oh you know mrs bender had a huge scar from across her entire face and Mm -hmm. that they don't have it but everything else is right it's it's that kind of glaring thing not that she had that but that's an easier way to illustrate the point um uh, one of the examples that I thought was funny was um, it came. It was a newspaper article that I found from August of 1873, so just a few months after everybody, after they, all this went down, a half-naked young woman walked out of the mountains, um, nearly starved, near Salt Lake City, Utah, saying she was from Montana, a German Catholic, and was doing penance for a grievous sin. <laughs> what? <laughs> The people of Salt Lake suspected that she might be Kate Bender because this was this is a known thing that happened. This was like crazy. This is like the first one of the major serial killer cases mm-hmm. of of the U.S. Um, but the thing was, her ears were not pierced, and Kate's were, and that's something that even if they peel over, there's a scar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people in the like in Salt Lake were like, I don't know, we just pierced them and call her Kate Bender. She clearly did something bad. <laughs> If she's saying she's doing penance for grievous sin. And I thought that was sort of funny. And that's where I basically quit my research because it sort of covered it from top to bottom considering they never really were, like, positively identified. There's a few people that are like, it really could be them, but we don't. It's not enough. It's mm-hmm. Nothing was ever enough. Um, so there was a number of look-like murders that were blamed on the benders after their disappearance, and it could be that they were murdering in those locations. It could also be people were like, well, we can do it this, and they'll only ever think it's the benders and not yeah. investigate thir- further, which I lean more towards that, because I don't think you would, after you've been caught that significantly, you wouldn't start murdering the same way again, in yeah. my opinion. Because, um, like, the whole country's looking for them. <laughs> the benders murdered at least 20 people. This is, these are the ones that were definitely identified, basically. So mm. there's Mr. Jones, found in Drum Creek, the very first one. There's two unidentified men found in the prairies. That's that second um, article that I talked about. Ben Brown was found buried in the apple orchard. W.F. McCrady, Henry McKenzie, Johnny Boyle was found in the well on the property. Um, George Newton Langhorn. And his 18-month-old daughter, daughter Marianne, were found in the apple orchard. That's the father and daughter. There's a weird discrepancy between the ages. Um, and I think it's just a weird old-timey typo. Because in all of the um, census data for the family, the, the, the only option for the age of this child is a baby. Yeah. Um, and I think somebody heard 18 months and somehow got eight years. Yeah. It was probably like 70 to 18 months, and they got 7 to 8 years, and they, yeah. they didn't think months for whatever reason. Um, either way, they positively identified they were buried together in the apple orchard. John Greary in the apple orchard. Red Smith was in the apple orchard. Most people were in the apple orchard. Um, Abigail Roberts was in the apple orchard. Three unidentified men were found in Drum Creek at some point during all this searching. Um, they're identified in that same, like four-day span Mm -hmm. after William's found. Jack Bogart is found in Drum Creek. Um, And strangely enough, this is another opportunity to have caught the Bender sooner. His horse was sold by a friend of the Bender's shortly after his disappearance. So the Bender's (laughs) were handing off various items. I think it was a whole wagon. They didn't know what to do with it, so they would run it off, basically. But if it was just, like, somebody on a horse, they would take the horse and be like, hey, I got this horse. Do you want this horse? Sell it for me. Um... Dr. William York, buried in the cornfield, 
and then various body parts that indicated at least three more victims were also discovered and they did not belong to any of the other individuals yes they're just Um, extras (laughs) basically yeah where the rest of them went that's a great question i'm assuming in the river and they just got washed away i also don't know where they found these parts if they were in the pit or if they were in one of the graves if they were in the creek who knows the well the well it could be in the well who knows so the benders um are are mentioned in laura ingles wilder's one of her writings oh really yeah there's at some point she's like yeah paul went to help this manhunt (laughs) (laughs) um and that was like when they lived they lived just southwest of independence kansas they lived in they would have been in the immediate vicinity and it would have made sense for paul to go help with the manhunt um which is actually really funny to me so that's the newspaper's um, story of yeah. the Bender family. The Bloody Benders doesn't come until like a few years later, I think. They yeah. don't use it in the immediate aftermath of the event. I think they're still sort of in shock. Yeah. As I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, but is there proof it was them? But like also it was definitely them. Like, oh, this, this is too much happening in their obvious home that they just left for it not to be mm-hmm. them. Because I'm like, oh, but like... What if it was them being framed? But no, it's like over this time frame. That's not it. And so I, somebody out there is more than likely a direct descendant. Absolutely, someone's likely a direct descendant. Considering that um they, like researchers later in the game, think that the old Mrs. Bender was not a Mrs. Bender at all. She was previously married to someone else. Lived out east. Um, they had, like, 12 kids together or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, this was, like, her fifth daughter. They think it's, like, this lady who is not a bender at all. Um, I don't know how they got there, but that's that's one of the running modern theories. And sort of why I wasn't covering the modern things, because it was too many... Speculations. Speculations. And it's like, I might as well just tell you the absolute, like, immediate facts of the time. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, so that's... The Bloody Benders. I would say get a DNA test, but I doubt there's anything they could have done DNA-wise that could be like, oh. Well, we don't this know. This is where the Benders are. We don't have any DNA to prove that they're yeah. them, especially since we don't well, have Well, that's any. why I'm saying I don't think there was anything that was there's kept like no that could have ever linked anything. anything. Yeah. To follow a family line down reliably. Yeah. Very interesting. I love old-timey newspapers. I love old-timey newspapers. Okay, so today I'm covering the historic Wolf Hotel. I got my information from onlyinyearstate.com, travelawaits.com, atlasobscura.com, Ellenwood Historical Society.com, savingplaces.org, GBHS Panthers, panthertales.com. Sorry, that's a hard <laughs> one. And, uh, what was it? Kansas Historic Society.org or whatever. Kansas State Historic Society.org. Yeah. So. They have a pretty good website. They did. I There's know. a few things that I have bookmarked to go back to. So. We're starting with the history. So Ellenwood, Kansas was founded in 1871 with thoughts that oh the railroad goodness. was coming. Two years the before. Railroad. <laughs> the railroad was coming to town. Was it two years before no, that's when they found the first one, wasn't it? Oh, you're it? right. It is when they found the first one. It was um, coming to town. All, my main article yeah. when they found the body. So by 1881, a branch line opened, which put Ellenwood on the map. This was very so common they were right. of anticipating the railroad. Yeah. Road. 
So the Wolf Hotel was built in or 1894 by German immigrant and entrepreneur. I can't say that word. You just said it right. It sounded wrong. It just, it it just had like a thick, like, I don't know, St. Louis Midwest accent on it. But it was right. Um, John Wolf, uh, and it was across from the Atchison, Topeka's, and Santa Fe Railroad Station. And was originally in addition to the adjoining Delmonico Hotel. Um, it was designed by S.S. Voigt. And mm-hmm. I think it's like Italiana style or something. It's Italianate? It, it, yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it auto-corrected and took out yeah, it's, what it was it's, supposed it's to say. In an Italianate style, yeah. <laughs> um, and cost around $10,000. I wish. Doesn't that sound... I saw that and I was like, I've got to put they that in. That even, sounds so little. They can't even be that much then. I can do it while you continue okay. the story. I was gonna look for a tab to open. Okay, so, um, eighteen ninety four. Four. Yep. The addition added fifteen rooms to the hotel, a new lobby, underground stores, and the Bank of Ellenwood. Um, which, from what I could figure out, because they didn't show me like blueprints or something, which mm-hmm. I wish they would have. It sounded to me like this new addition, um, which is today the Wolf Hotel or the historic Wolf Hotel today, um. $10,000 um, in 1894 is equivalent to $355,454 now. If I so could I build wish. a hotel and bank for that, I, I, I could would. build anything that was, like, Jeez. usable for that. That's so cheap. So, um, from what I could figure, it sounded like the Bank of Ellenwood was on, like, the first floor of this new addition, and then the second floor was where all the new hotel rooms were. That would be correct. But also, it says a new lobby, so I'm like, I don't know what I think the they would share the, the lobby with the bank. Yeah. And that, because this is, this, so, is, this would be classic one, like, Wild West design yeah. of everything's double story. The bottom is always, like, for anyone to walk into, and the top is where you either live or sleep. Mm-hmm. So, the larger hotel uh, was now called the National Hotel and had mm-hmm. 30 rooms, a dining room, a parlor with an organ, office, and sample room, which I don't really know what that no, is, what that on is. the ground floor. I don't know if it's like a reception like, area. <laughs> I don't I know. Absolutely no clue. Um, in 1896, the National Hotel changed hands and became the Hotel Richards, and then six months after that, it became Hotel Wolf. Um, the Demonico Hotel was demolished in 1952 and is now a parking lot for another bank. So the dining room at the hotel was a popular place. Um, so we talk about two different dining rooms in this. In oh, it's, this. it's literally like a display room. Like, here's what our bedrooms upstairs look oh, like. Oh, that's weird. It's like a little baby version of it. Interesting. Now they use them for like... Um, the handicap accessibility. Mm. What was I saying? Oh, there's Sorry. two, there's two dining rooms. There's one at, like, when it was the one big hotel. Mm-hmm. And then there's an, I mean, I guess not before it gets demolished. But anyway, one of the dining rooms gets changed at some point. So the dining room at, at both hotels were a popular place. And outside of the kitchen towards the back of the building was where the outhouses were located. Um, this, like I said, this is from the, still the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, they were there for years until indoor plumbing was finally installed in the 1920s. And the outhouses were home to at least one known suicide and several pranks throughout their existence. <laughs> I'd love to know more what on that. What pranks did they do? I don't know. That's all they said. So underneath the Wolf Hotel, there is a tunnel system that used 
used to connect the businesses of Ellenwood. The tunnels connected shops, and during the Prohibition, the tunnels were used to store and distribute bootleg alcohol. Heck yeah. They originally ran for um, two blocks on both sides of Ellenwood's Main Street. Um, currently, the tunnels that haven't been filled in uh, with sand are the ones under the Wolf Hotel and the historic Dick Building across the street. Um, the downstairs of the hotel, which was part of the underground tunnel system, had the drummer's room and Joe's snack counter. In September of 1894, the town newspaper said, quote, John Mayer is now snugly located under the bank in the Wolf Block in a neat, clean, comfortable restaurant. Lunch could be had at all times of day or night with winter and summer drinks and cigars at Joe's lunch counter. Um, salesmen would leave the train and go to the drummer's room to preview the merchandise, which was mostly clothing, it seemed, mm-hmm. in this article. Um, Henry... Moosenbird of Ellenwood remembered that the elite of the town would go down to the underground shopping for selective buying and special garments. Black there market. A, there was another thing of like this girl saying who lived in town was saying like she used to be able to go and buy what was in the drummer's room because they only so sold a size like 36 or something and she was the, the perfect size so she could go and buy <laughs> stuff from there. Um, the downstairs changed many times, becoming, uh, Weber's sample room, the library, a gym, and another underground bar and cards room. The downstairs still houses the first air conditioner in Barton County. Fine. Um, so, when I was doing my research, I found out that Ellenwood is one of several Kansas towns that has a series of underground tunnels that had shops and walkways. I assume that's... Which I think that's so... Fun. I think it's like a winter um, thing. The I underground guess. tunnels were introduced to th- by the city's German immigrant founders. Why are they making all these? So all the all the Germans in town. They said even those all the Germans in the state of Kansas were the ones coming up with these underground tunnels. Which was the main reason I did this is because I was like, what do you mean underground tunnels with shops? What is this? Like this is before everybody's scared of bombs. Like what is, what's happening? But I don't know. I just thought the the underground tunnels, and apparently in multiple Kansas towns, and especially, like, small towns today, how cool is that? That is really fun. So, in the 1910s, the shock of World War I affected the Allenwood community. Many of the original townspeople still had strong German, still had strong ties to Germany, and most of the residents still had close family in Germany, which surrounding communities did not like. So, um, a strong anti-German movement forced some of Ellenwood's strongest German supporters to seek refuge in the underground tunnels. Um, underneath the Wolf Hotel was the most popular area because it was accessible to food and other services, so most of them Mm -hmm. congregated in that section by the hotel. Um, today, underground tunnel, the underground tunnels have a barbershop. I don't, none of this is, like, active, I don't believe. Um, a barbershop, a speakeasy, a bank, a library, and a bath. Uh, you can still see bullet holes in the walls and many items from the time period on display. Um, they said that most of the people that hung out down there were, uh, like, businessmen and cowboys. Which I, you know, that makes fun. So, Fred Wolf, John Wolf's son, added on the Sunflower Dining Room in 1924. It was a prestigious restaurant that attracted people from all over. The dining room was designed with sunflowers, wheat, terrazzo floors, and unique chandeliers that used only amber-colored bulbs to give off a golden hue in the room, which I like that. I like golden 
and amber. It's There's so not like a, unless every single one of the Germans in Kansas were from Oppenheim, which is correct related to Oppenheimer. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's ironic. That they knew what was coming. They were scared of the bombs. <laughs> that's absolutely hilarious, actually. But um, <laughs> but that's the only place that has like in, that mentions in great detail any pre-World Wars tunnel system that's like medieval How in nature. Weird. That like was used for like storage and stuff like that i don't know if it's used for shopping because like i'm not in depth looking into it but i was like what is where are these towns in germany that's, that they're I, like we must build I know, underground because I, like, I have never heard no. of that and i'd argue that's that i, I have a pretty so, good knowledge of germany that's why I it was so weird i was like i've got to cover this because that's just the weirdest thing I've heard. every single one of them is from oppenheim <laughs> they knew they were planning and plotting so where was i <laughs> they had a really good like Witch fortune teller, <laughs> read the future, Probably. saw the prophecies. It was Miss Bender. <laughs> so they were like, you know what we got to do? Keep Underground. Um, uh, what was I? So bizarre. So the dining room. Um, it also had an outdoor patio, um, which was the first of its kind in Ellenwood, um, and the patio was lined with a grape arbor. Oh, so it's like a like a beer garden. Yeah. So the Wolf Hotel has been used for many things over the years, um, but in 2013 it was bought by Chris McCord, who is still the current owner, Mm -hmm. um, and was again used as a hotel and event space. And in the years before 2013, I don't know for how long, but it was like an antique store, which, man, that would have been a cool antique store. Um, So today it does not have... Um, today it does not only have hotel rooms, but it hosts comedy shows, murder mystery dinners, escape rooms, a prohibition era themed saloon, and offers tours of the underground tunnel system. That's fun. Um, and then an article that I read from 2013 also said that the Dick Building did tours, um, mm-hmm. of the tunnels that was open to the public, mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot has happened since 2013, so I don't know if that's still correct. Yeah. It was a whole pandemic. <laughs> um, so you can book a stay here on Airbnb. Uh, the hotel is over 5,000 square feet, and there are eight rooms that you can stay in. Let's go. Um, I, I had them up to show you the rooms, but I'll do that after. <laughs> so now on to the hauntings, which I was telling Sadie this is a really short story, but the tunnels got me. That's so, so fun. I had to do it for history. So it is said that the Wolf Hotel is haunted by three spirits. Well, not only three spirits, but, like, that's... There's three known specific ones. Yeah. Identified as individual entities. So one of the spirits is a man who committed suicide in the hotel dining room on February 24th, 1927. His name was Bernard J. Millet. Millet. He had had arrived in Ellenwood in the early afternoon and did some shopping downtown. Audrey's always ready to make everybody French. (laughs) <laughs> I said it both ways. It's just um, no. <laughs> no. He checked in the hotel and prepared for dinner in the dining room. <clears throat> he ordered his meal and ate so slowly that by the time he was almost finished, he was the last person in the dining room besides two young ladies who were working. Mm-hmm. Um, one was playing the piano and the other one was cleaning up other tables and said once he had finished his meal, he reached into his pocket, pulled out a pistol, and shot himself in the head. Oh my gosh. Um, which, like, Those that's... Poor girls. I know. His spirit is seen in the dining room um, late in the evening. There's also apparently a bullet hole still in the tin ceiling of the dining room. Um, and another strange fact is that in the old kitchen slash dining room, 
um, back in the day, one cook shot another uh, former cook uh, because he accused him of stealing. He only got, like, shot in the leg, but uh-huh. they just were like, this hotel has strange dining room history. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, also, I tried finding any newspaper articles or find a grave or whatever for this guy. I couldn't find I anything. I need to give you the login for yeah. newspapers.com yeah. so you can use that, too. Um, I couldn't really find anything, but... I don't think this is, like, made up. One, because they have a f- an actual day. They have his full, like, name. That's and, really, really and specific. Two, um, a lot of the information that I found, because I told you, the website for this hotel will not pull up on my laptop because it says it's going to give me a virus. I just pulled up on my phone. <laughs> so, I know. The only way I could do it was pulling it up on my phone. Um, and there's not a lot of history. There's, like, you cannot, it's so hard to find history on this hotel. So the, That's just how it is well, How I found history was reading for hours every single page that somebody had filled out to get this place on the National Historic mm-hmm. Registry of Buildings, mm-hmm. and this guy well, was mentioned in there. Sometimes that's the only place that there's actual yeah. written down records that aren't so, in, in, in the library And I in looked, the and their sources were from newspaper articles. So anyway, I was like, this is, you know, these people should be reputable. Um... So anyway, I thought like I, I that seems like a confirmed actual one instead of just like someone supposedly so killed themselves in a hotel room. You know, there is a local legend that says during the sundown laws, which were from the 1930s to the 1960s, that police shot an African American man to death for li- violating the curfew. Um, the legend claims that the angry spirit of the man scares and confronts guests. There is no record, apparently, of this happening, but many locals believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, this spirit, this spirit, or one of them, is also said to be active in the tunnels. Um, when I, I try to, like, do my own research into it, and I found, like, you know, I typed in, like, sundown Ellen, Ellenwood, or Ellenswood, whatever it's called, um, and tried to find something, and when I did, something came up that looked like an old newspaper article from, like, a book. Uh-huh. But I, like, it was... It wasn't even a book. It was, like, a paper. It was, like, somebody's, like, school, you know, university yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't see the whole thing, so I don't know. It almost seemed like it... There is confirmed that it happened there. But I, I really don't know. Um, so the third spirit is an unknown young woman who has been around for years. She likes to play practical jokes by placing items under guest pillows. Which I love that. That's, That's so a fun. great ghost to have. And that is all I have for the Historic Wolf Hotel. But I just thought it was so But fun those underground tunnels, tunnels are so I, cool. It just, I was Why like, was it so cheap? It's just so strange. I know. That was another thing. I was so like, cheap. what the heck? What deals did they get? Because there's not trees in Kansas. They have to bring... There's no, like, mountains right there. They're shipping in everything. It's... Yeah. I understand the railroads right there. But still, there's very... I. There's not a lot about this hotel. I know. It was so hard to find information. It's important to know that newspapers.com does not have all of the newspapers. It Mm -hmm. just has what is scanned in. Yeah. It's a sizable number that are scanned in, but especially for places like small towns in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the country, people are not taking that time and do not know how to submit them to newspapers.com. Think of your local old librarians and now put them into a small town in the middle of nowhere where they're not entirely sure how to, like, use a mouse. Yeah. They can type because they all took typing Um, because that used to be a class for typewriters. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're not entirely sure how the mouse works. Um, 
imagine them uploading these things, scanning them, taking the time to put it all in there in a manner that's legible for this mm-hmm. thing. And so it's always something to note when you're using sources like this, is they're not all of it. They're just what's on yeah. the internet. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that aren't on the internet. Well, I, I like it, though. I, I think know, I... this is a fun set of stories, I think. I think it was good. Two old-timey goodies. I love old-timey goodies. I know. I love old-timey stories more. Recent ones just make me feel sort of sad in a way that I don't like to be. <laughs> Not because, like, anything happened. Well, but, like, recent ones, too, it's, like, it's the same kind of stuff. Over and over and over Because again. recent murder, it's, you know, you're shot or uh-huh. stabbed to death or whatever. And it's just because not that I, wanna, I don't know. Not that I want a creative serial killer, but like I miss him. Well, no, I'm just saying like everything now is so similar. In the stories back then, you're just like, what in the world? What is it? What? Or even like the the underground tunnels. Yeah, like what the... is that about? <laughs> you know those kind of things. Like whenever we cover new stuff, I'm just like, I mean, some of them are pretty good, but some of them I'm just like overplayed. I mean, we just. I mean, everybody. We just don't tell them. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that last week when I was editing, the end cut out super weird and, like, was missing stuff at the end. And then I tried to, like, copy and paste. It was the weirdest thing. I tried to copy and paste from a previous episode just, like, the ending, you know, like our Mm -hmm. outro thing. And every time I did, it was somehow a clip that wasn't getting cut, but I was somehow copied and kept recopying that clip from the exact episode I was editing to the back. Like, I went to a different thing, took a, copied it from an old I, episode, when I went did, in to put it in, and no matter how many times I had exited out, I had restarted my computer, done everything, it was just continuously putting a different clip into the back. When I used to edit these at the very, very beginning of all this, when I had more time than you did, mm-hmm. um, I would have that issue from time to time. And I don't remember what I did to fix it systematically, but I, I did. I well, figured it, it out. Well, it doesn't make sense because every time that we put our intro song in, that's me copying it from a different thing and pasting it in. Mm-hmm. But for some you, reason, it wasn't like, letting me, I don't know. your clipboard? I, tr- I literally tried everything I could. And so I just had to be like, I literally said, um, hi, it's just me. Our, our like, thing cut out, so uh, try not to kill anybody. Don't mess with Ouija boards. Oh, that's so funny. Bye. And I was just like, oh, this sounds so bad. But it was, I couldn't, for some reason, yeah. copy it. Well, but whatever. But anyway, for real, try not to kill anybody and don't mess with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye.